something. Say, listen, he needs encouraging. Just give the old guy a bit of encouragement. But um, awesome, absolutely awesome. Well, I'm excited to, to speak tonight because I get to, to speak a message that I have spoken in the morning, but I felt was so important for us as a church. I was a little frustrated at the time that I didn't get to, to bring it in the evening. And I'm so excited to, to get the opportunity to, to come and share this with you tonight because essentially it's not just a message. Uh, you know, often Jesus said about people who got ears to hear, you know, it's like everyone hears it, but do they hear it? Because there is, there is something in this that is about us. There is something in this that is about where we're going. There's something in this about where we are positioning ourselves for the future. And uh, I had the uh, awesome privilege of uh, speaking at Tio last Friday. Tio! And uh, it was an awesome, uh, awesome 13 to 18s ministry. And uh, just say to you guys, uh, this really, I think, complements what I shared with you on Friday. And I think that there is a message really, especially to you guys here. So I'm going to take a little bit of a journey, uh, which, which points us essentially to the two pieces of art at each end of the room, which began uh, by, uh, for those of you who are visiting, uh, back uh, towards the end of last year, we, we got out of this room and we went to embrace a bigger environment at the KMC, Kings Meadow Campus, uh, near the Showcase Cinema. And we just went to go and occupy a bigger space because we need to occupy a bigger space. And we knew that we were coming back. And so because we were coming back, I just didn't want to, I don't know, you know, I just didn't want us to walk in the room and everything be exactly the same. And oh, we're back, we're back. So that was, that was at the, the, the heart of it. And I had this thing that I wanted to uh, put uh, something up uh, on, on the walls. And uh, uh, I'm not actually tonight going to go into it too much, but, but this one, this one's to do with overflow. Um, and uh, because I believe that that is what God wants us uh, to lean into. I believe it's a bit of a prophetic statement, and it's to do with the fact that the overflow is going to come from directions that we don't necessarily um, uh, understand. And, you know, for those of you who are thinking, oh, I thought a couple of the kids had had a go, then that's also fine. You know what I mean? I, uh, you know, art is like that. People have different interpretations. And this one is to do with every place you set your foot. It's to do with the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter because I believe that God wants us to be a territory-taking church. And uh, I mean, that's a preach all in itself. Um, and so, that, you know, that's, that's all good. You know, I believe that Somehow these speak to the church that is emerging and they speak to the church that we are becoming. But I want to kind of go beyond the art because by launching out into, into doing this, it, it exposed something which I think is important for me, but I think is actually important for us. Because 
I, I produced the art, but the art produced something in me. And part of that was that I actually never wanted to tell anybody. I just wanted there to be a couple of pieces on the wall, and that was it. And that was nothing to do with humility. It was to do with hiding. It was easier for me to hide than it was to be vulnerable enough to let people know that that was something that I had done. And uh, interestingly, and I do think that there's something in this that the Spirit is saying to us. Lawrence preached a phenomenal message this morning that had the absolute essence and seeds of, of vulnerability and openness in it. And I really recommend uh, that you uh, listen to that on podcast on the website. It'll be up early this week. It's a, it's, it's, it's a great message uh, entitled, I'm Not Okay. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let him preach it to you there. But So there was something there that, that I, as a man in his 50s, came face to face with something that God was challenging and saying, I don't want you to hide anymore. And to do, to do this, I was way out of my comfort zone. Firstly, I've never done ever anything of this size before. And I'd, I'd, I'd never used the techniques that I, I used. I was way out of my comfort zone. Secondly, we, you know, I... Uh, this was a very public, I was exposing myself in a very public way. How many of you know it's one thing to know that you're going to paint a picture and it, it can always go in the garage. If it's not very good, it can always go in the garage. But you are putting something on display that is going to draw comment or not. But that when, when people bring their creativity to the table, it is a very vulnerable thing. Because they are bringing something of themselves. And I think that, I, think that, uh, I mean, essentially, we live in a world that, that critiques, but I think that we should also understand that, that when people bring their creativity, they are bringing something of themselves. And I think that, that you know, it's a good thing to be at least a little bit sensitive to that because it's, it's, it's not... Um, easy to be disconnected by something that you have, uh, disconnected from something that you have brought. So I want to I say that I think that God wanted me out of my comfort zone because he wanted us out of our comfort zone. He wants us out of our comfort zone. He wants us, maybe there are some areas that he wants us to do, that is not just a little step up, but a big step up. God wants us to do some stuff that's a big step up. And the thing about being out of your comfort zone, the thing about being out of my comfort zone is that I am dependent. I'm dependent on God. I, I need to rely on him. I need to have him help me because I don't know yet that I have the resources to do what I'm seeking to do. And it's about, it's about doing things we've never done before. You know, I think that 
And that's, you know, essentially why I say beyond the art, because we've got pictures on the wall, but I think that there's something more prophetic behind the processes than actually what has gone up on the wall, because I think that, that God does want to challenge us to do things that we've never done before if we're going to see some of the things that we're believing for. We've got, to, we've got to reach into something that we've never reached before. We've got to step into something, walk in places we've never walked before. Take some huge steps forward. And the thing is, I don't know whether any of you have experienced this, but you know, sometimes you step into something and then all of a sudden God starts showing you what this is all about. And... Uh, and as I began to paint, God began to show me that if I look, if I look at my history and if I look at the way I've, I've walked, I've walked way too concerned of what people thought of me. Way too concerned about people's opinions. And the thing, the thing about these is that I did not, and, and, and this marked a huge change, I did not produce something that I thought other people would like. I did not produce something that I thought other people would applaud. I produced something that came from inside me. I didn't do it to get the, 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 the likes or the applause of everybody else. And that was a huge step for me because God has been teaching me to trust what he has put in me. And essentially, these speak to a, the kind of leader that I feel... God wants me to be and the kind of people that he wants me to empower by modeling this kind of leadership. It's about embracing who I really am. You see, the, 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 the reality is that I am, I, I'm, a, I'm a creative I'm an artist, I, I write stuff, I, that is, it's just who I am. What I'd managed to do was almost disassociate that from who I was as a leader. Because I thought that to be a leader, I needed to act a certain way, I needed to be a certain way. I, I, you know, I, I kind of I've, I've walked amongst those who had certain expectations of me in regard to what a leader was, and I molded myself to other people's expectations. So much so that I didn't even see this part of me as that important anymore. It was, it was something that was just suppressed. It was pushed to one side. It was because, like, my view was, well, you know what? If you're going to be a serious leader... If you're really going to be a serious leader, you haven't got time for that stuff. You need to get on the serious business of leading. That's just, that's just the, 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 the pastime stuff, the, the, the hobby stuff that I never got to. And God was showing me how wrong 
I was. And that it was time for me to give me permission to be me. And that's part of what I believe my message is tonight, that God, the Spirit of God wants to come to you where you are and give you permission to be you. Give you permission for everything that you are and everything that you are not. You know, I think that we spend so much, you know, I've spent, I've spent so much of my life trying to be something and, and not enough time embracing the things that God has already put there. I've, I've spent a lot of time being what I thought other people wanted me to be, what the church expected me to be, to, to perform, to dance to a certain tune. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here tonight? And, and, and it's like, you know, the, those things, those things you just shove away, you shove away because, because they don't have a place here. But God, I believe, has placed something in every single one of us. And I want to say that these two pictures appeared on the wall because I gave myself permission to be me. I gave myself permission to bring something out of who I am. And I want to ask the question tonight, what might appear if you gave yourself permission to be you? What paintings, what songs, what music, what cakes, what gardens, what buildings, what films, what photographs, what dresses, what suits, what careers, what new businesses, what would appear if you gave yourself permission to be you? What if I stopped trying to be who I thought or what I thought the world wanted me to be and just started embracing who God has already made me? Because one of the things that I was speaking at TO on Friday you know, was from Psalm 139, one of my favorite Psalms, but it talks about the fact that I was, I was just reflecting on the fact that some of us get a bad start. We get a bad start. Maybe the circumstances of our birth was not the most ideal, but I wanted to say that, 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 that according to the Bible, our birth is not the start. Because the psalmist tells me that all the days ordained for me were written in his book before. Before one of them came to be. Jeremiah says that I saw your unformed body. I saw, he saw, I mean, how you see our unformed body, but God saw our unformed body. So that proves that God had a plan. And that's why you're here. I think that that, that means that, that there, there was a plan in place. That's why you're on the earth. It's not that you came onto the earth and God's running around trying to come up with a, a plan because he wasn't expecting your arrival. The fact you're here proves that God has a plan for your life and he has put stuff in you. He has wired you in a certain way. You think in a certain way. You like certain things. You love to do certain things because 
Because God has wired you that way. Now, the problem with many of us is a lot of that stuff is buried over a whole heap of rubbish that should never be there. But, but at the core of who we are, God has, 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 has put stuff. The, 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 the problem is that some of us say, well, I don't want that. You know, I, you know I, maybe, I, maybe I love baking, but, but I want to sing. You know, I got, I've got this passion for baking. I just have huge, loads of ideas about baking, but, but now I want to sing. Because, you know, as singers, singers, you're really somebody if you sing. I mean, who wants to be around a baker? I mean, bakers, what do bakers do? But I mean, like, you know, like, I want to sing. Well, bakers do a lot. But, but it all depends on your perspective. What if you spend your life and your energy trying to be something that you think is what you should be, rather than embracing who God has actually made you to be. And it got, me, it got me thinking about the creative process, because creativity doesn't just look like painting. See, I believe that every single one of us are creative because we come from the creator, not a creator, we come, so, and, and the nature of the creator is in us. And God shows us his heart. He shows us what's in him through his creation. Now we believe, I believe in creation. I believe when I look at creation and think, well, you know, God, that is absolutely awesome. That is amazing. God, you're just having a bit of fun there because what is that all about? You know, it's like if you actually look at creation, there's just some incredibly wonderful, crazy stuff out there. But through creation, God showed us. God showed us who he is. He showed us the detail. You know, the the level of detail uh, that God has gone to gives us an indication of who he is and how much he cares I heard a story about an 80-year-old woman who baked bread, and it just caught my imagination because, you know, if any of you have ever baked bread or watched somebody bake bread, it's, uh, it's you know, you have to be quite fit to, to bake bread, and I was a bit intrigued that this 80-year-old woman was baking bread, but this is what she did, and, and she baked bread every Friday. And she'd done it, I mean, she's done it like for, for years. And, but the other thing that caught my attention, she's very good at it. But apparently every Friday, there are people around at her house in the evening, friends, neighbors, family. And they come around because this 80-year-old woman bakes bread. And because she bakes bread, community forms around her gift. It's, it, you know, on, on the grand scale of world affairs, baking bread does not seem such a great thing. And it seems that, that God took the opportunity to invade that moment. That, you know, I, I actually call it God breaks bread because the nature, God paints pictures and, and God mends cars and God bakes cakes and, and God bakes bread. It, God, the creative nature of God is in every single one of us. And because she was simply, authentically bringing what she could to the table, 
you know, uh, she had, she had a, a life group of, of people who knew God and didn't know God who, who also liked bread. But they also loved the fellowship of being together and eating nice bread. The fellowship of, of knowing that you could turn up on that day and smell incredible bread being baked. And, and you could be part of that moment. And there's something of me that absolutely loves the fact that God will build a platform around your gift, the gift he's put in you. God will do something around what is in you. He will, he will draw a crowd to what is in you. He will draw a crowd to what is in me if I just stop trying to be what I think I should be and start being what God has made me. Just relax into who he has made me. Because if I do, if I just give myself to that, then who knows what God can do with a few pieces of bread? Who knows what God can do with what is in you? I was thinking about John the Baptist who, the Bible says that in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was called by Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In verse 5 there it says, then, I mean, you know, John had quite wild tastes. He wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. There's a diet for you. It said, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan were going out to him. See, he was preaching in the wilderness. And the crowds went to the gift that God had put in him. God, God didn't say going to the temples, going to the towers, going to the cities. He said, you go and preach in the wilderness. And I'll make sure people come and build a platform around your gift. People will come and listen to what I have put in you. See, the crowds, I believe, will come when we are authentic. What I, what I love about that, and I mean, this is, you know, this is me, because this is the way my mind works, but the prefix A-U-T, at the beginning of authentic, A-U-T, it means, it comes from self. It's where we get auto, it's where we get authentic, it's where we get authority. Because that means it's come from self, it's come from a genuine Place. I am an author. If I am the author, A-U-T, then it has come from me. It means, it means self. It, has come, it originates from me. I am the author. If I am the author, I have authority because I'm authentic, because they come from me. That means that I can't be trying to be you or trying to be someone else. I've got to be me. See, I can be inspired by you but I can't become you. You can inspire me. I can, I can be encouraged by you, but only I can become me because God, God only made one me and God only made one you. You are an original. 
And if, if we try and be somebody else, we're only ever going to end up being a poor copy. It's, it's about God releasing what he has put in us. You see, I think there's, there's some secret in this because having been in the church for more than 30 years, you know, the whole thing to do with evangelism is such a strained, stressed thing. We live almost under a cloud of permanent guilt that we're not doing what we should be doing, what we could be doing. Thanks for that, Lawrence. I thought I was on my own there. I just I felt like I was hanging a little bit, but thank you for just... So, you know, we all know we should, and then, I mean, some of us let ourselves off the hook because we say, oh, well, you know, I'm not an evangelist, but yet we're all, in truth, called to do the work of an evangelist. And, and it's like, oh, you know, um, you, know, and, you know, some of us rather say nothing, and, and some of us, you know, out of our own tension and insecurities, we're not, you know, do, do you know Jesus? Because if you don't go, you're going to hell. You know, it's like, I don't know that's very attractional. I don't think Jesus actually preached that message, but Christians have, have often reduced evangelism to a message that is similar to that. That, you know, let's avoid the fire of hell by accepting Jesus. I don't know that that is the message of the gospel. I think there's a lot better message of the gospel than that. What I'm saying is, that I don't think we need to get stressed or strained about evangelism at all. Because if we just release what God has put in us, and we are authentic, then we will find that people are drawn to what God has already put in there. And there will be a platform to share the beauty and the wonder of what God has done in our lives. It's not about me with white knuckles going all tense into a, a set of circumstances trying to talk about the Lord. It's about me just being. And people being attracted to what God has done in me. And then they will ask questions. What is it? What is it about this? What is it about you? What is it about what you're doing? And I just believe there's something very natural and, and very beautiful about that, just by me being authentically me, God will draw people to himself. And then I just want to reflect on something else, because I think that it would be, it would be incomplete if, if, if I left it there. Because the truth, the truth of the matter is also that what you don't know is that one day in my front room, as we had a leaders meeting, I said, uh, you know what, I was gonna, oh, I don't know, ridiculous idea. I was gonna paint a couple of pictures and, you know, but I haven't got time. I just have not got the time. I haven't got the energy to make that happen. You know, forget it. But maybe we could try and get someone to do it. And in that moment, Rob spoke up and said, well, what if we, what if we got the stuff ready for you and you just turned up and painted? Suddenly, something that had become so impossible in my mind 
became possible. And I was like, wow, would, would you really do that? He was like, sure, we'll, we'll get it set up. You just turn up and paint. And it was awesome. It was all there. It, it was awesome right up until the point I saw the size of the canvas. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? But I want to just talk for a moment about facilitators. Because to talk about what I can do is only part of the story. Because there's not, it's not just about what I can do or what you can do. It's what we can do. This is a story in Exodus 17 about Moses and Moses fighting, sorry, Joshua fighting the Amalekites. And he was in the valley fighting the Amalekites. And, and we, we, we read that, that Moses was stood with his hands raised. And in verse 11 of Exodus 17, it says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. See, what I love about this account is that we, you know, we've got Joshua. Joshua is the pinup boy. He is the warrior. He is the muscle man. He is on the post. He's the poster boy. Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. He's Mr. Tough Guy. He's in the valley fighting the battle. What you don't see is Moses on the hillside because the only way Joshua is winning that battle is if someone is stood before God with his hands raised. So Moses the most humble man on the face of the earth. And we know that because he told us that of himself. <laughs> he is there with his hands raised. But now there comes a point where he can't keep his hands raised. His body starts giving out. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there were a couple of people there who noticed. And they drew the dots to understand, mm, well, this guy's got his hands raised, Joshua is winning. When he lowers his hands, Joshua is losing. We need to do something. And the Bible tells us that, that Aaron and her shoved a rock under Moses and they took an arm each and held it up. Now, the end of the story is that Joshua wins the battle. But he could not have done it on his own. He could only do it in truth if two people had noticed that someone was getting tired and shoved a rock under him and took an arm each. And some of us, we want to queue up. We love the stardom and the, the wonder of being the Joshuas and the Moses. I want to celebrate today 
the Aaron's and the hers. Because without them, the Joshua's and the, and the Moses would never do what God wanted them to do. They noticed he was tired. They put a stone under him. It wasn't about Joshua. It wasn't about Moses. It was because when Joshua overcame, we had won. We all need to play our part. Why, why we, we think, you know, some of us, we think in building church. And I think particularly in this day and age that, you know, the platform is the big deal. Oh, my God. If I can get to the platform, then, then I've made it. If I can get to the platform, that's why, forget baking cakes, I want to sing. Because if I can get to the platform, I've made it. God's going to really love me. If I get there, I'll really be something. I'll really be someone if I can get there. No, you'll really be something. And you'll really be someone if you embrace what God has already made you. And if you've got an incredible gift for singing and worship, wonderful, then maybe this is the place for you. But you're never really going to do well here unless you first learn to be a worshiper here. Because I'm a worshiper because I'm a worshiper, not because all I'm going to do is take what I do there and put it on here. It's about being authentic. And I just wonder, I wonder what it could be if we stepped up and helped some other people become who they should be. I couldn't get my mind off... Um, of this uh, illustration. Um, you know, in the Paralympics, um, incredibly inspiring, but in the Paralympics, they have the blind sprinters. The blind sprinters can only sprint because they're running with a seeing person and they're, they're linked by the the, 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 the cloth or the rope or whatever you want to call it. They're linked by that. And, and so some of these run at incredible speeds. I mean, you imagine firstly running, not being able to see at full tilt, having to put your trust in electricity, <laughs> having to put your trust in somebody else. But what I, what I found amazing is that those guys... Those guys would never, those blind sprinters would never sprint or never accomplish what they could accomplish unless there was someone prepared to run with them. And when that, the, 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 the incredible, I don't know how they do it, the incredible difficulty of being a guide but not overtaking them. They've got to be able, they have to be matched so exactly so that, so that they can keep up but not lead. It's just, I mean, to be monitoring things at that speed, I don't know how they do it, but the only way that blind sprinter is going to get across the finishing line is if they have put their trust in someone who's going to help them. But then the victory that they get is shared. I was thinking about, you know, Jonathan and the armor bearer. The armor bearer, the man with no name. We don't know what his name was. We just know he was an armor bearer. But we know that Jonathan couldn't have done what Jonathan did unless the armor bearer had stepped up and, and given him the encouragement, I'm with you, heart and soul. And I, I'm just wondering what a community would look like 
of people who were just bringing their gifts to the table and people who were laying down their gifts to serve one another and help them across the finishing line. You know, I think that, that you know, it's not that, it's not that Aaron and her, I'm sure, didn't also have other gifts, but maybe their most memorable moment was the fact that they were prepared to hold up Moses' hands. They, they, because of their servant attitude, Moses and Joshua got the victory. Aaron and her could, have not, could not have got the victory on their own. But together, they got an incredible victory. T.D. Jakes said this, he said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself through serving. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself through serving. And I, I believe in a way, it's, it's one of the ways that we, we model something different to the world. Because we live in a world that's about pushing yourself to the queue. It's, it's, we live in a world that is about bringing yourself into the spotlight. It's like you've got to push yourself forward. You've got to, you've, 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 got to let, you've got to let people see you. You've got to be seen. If you want to get on in this world, you've got to be seen. But the truth is that if we trust God and we serve and help other people, be seen and help other people succeed and help other people be the best they can be, then somehow God will do something incredible in us and incredible through us. I want to ask the question, what could happen if you lent a hand, lent a hand to someone? What could happen? What could somebody become if you gave them a hand? And I want to, I wanna, I wanna build the kind of community where we're looking for people who are looking to make others great. Looking for people who are helping to, who feel they've succeeded when they've helped other people succeed. People who are willing to serve. People who will give themselves permission just to, you know, like, uh, and to find the joy of serving. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the, you know, some people can serve, you know, but it's like, um, you know, sometimes they, they almost like put their, I mean, no one in this service, but they, they put their serving on display. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't just do things. It's like, you know, Luke, would you like, would you like a drink of water? I'd, sorry, sorry. Would you like a drink? It's, it's like I'm serving, but like... I, I, I want everyone to know that I'm serving. But we also know there's another kind of serving where just quietly I am giving and empowering. You see, I want to say that these pictures most of all illustrate what empowerment looks like. Because someone said, you know what? I can help you do that. You know what, I can, I can set that up for you. I can set up the goal. And, and, and people won't know necessarily. You wouldn't have known that he set up the goal, that I, except I've told you. But if, if he sets up the goal, he helped me score. He helped me do something that I'm telling you now, if he had not have done that, would not have happened. And I just want to say, what would it look like if that was multiplied over and over and over again, that we gave ourselves permission if I gave myself permission to be me, if you gave yourself permission to be you, that you let what God has put in you emerge, 
But then you don't just focus on you. You focus on how can I help others? How can I release what is in others? How can I arm a bear? How, how can I hold up somebody's arms? This is somebody's arms I can hold up. Can I help them succeed? Can I help them win? Can I help them overcome? Is there someone I can run alongside and get them across the finishing line when they wouldn't have got across the finishing line on their own? I wonder if we can close our eyes for a moment. You know, I've talked a lot about gift. I've talked a lot about the fact that you're here on this earth for a purpose and, and that God knew you even before you were born. And the reality is that, that, that Jesus came and died on a cross not to give us religion, not to just get us to go to church. He, he came and died on a cross to deal with the rubbish that was burying our gift, all the guilt, all the shame, all the sin, everything that is stopping us being what God knows we were born to be. Because I know there are people here who, who know you were born for something more than you're presently experiencing and you just can't seem to get it, get to it. And you face so much disappointment and so frustration, so much frustration that you almost want to give up on it and think, ah, forget it. Let me tell you something, don't forget it. God hasn't forgotten you and He hasn't forgotten what He's put in you. But if you're gonna be the person that you were born to be, if you're gonna release what God has put in you, then there's gotta come a point where you say no to doing life your way on your terms and you say yes to Jesus. You invite Him into your heart and life. He becomes your Saviour. He becomes your Lord. And He gives you the power. He empowers you to live the life you were born to live. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, this moment is for you. Because this moment is about you accepting an opportunity by saying yes to Jesus. You are opening the door to the life you only dreamed was possible. Maybe also there's another person in the room, someone who has once made the decision to follow Jesus, but the truth is right now you know you're a long way away from where God would want you to be. You started well, but you've lost your way. And there's something in you tonight that says, tonight I'm coming home. It's time to come on. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out with trying to be the person that I want to be. I can't do it. I need God's help. I need God's strength. In these closing moments, I want to say right now, if you're here and there's something in you that says, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus or I want to come back home right now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want you to slip up your hand nice and high in the air. When I see that hand, I'll acknowledge it. Someone will put a card in your hand. You put it back down. No one's going to embarrass you, make you do something you don't want to do. But it is to bring you to a point of decision. Who's going to be first here tonight? Slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. By slipping up your hand, that's what you're saying. Someone will put a card in your hand. You say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. 
God bless you there. That's awesome. Amazing. As soon as you put a, got a card, you can put your hand down. Someone else. God bless you, sir. That is fantastic. Amazing. Someone else. Someone else. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm going to wait because I believe there are two more people sitting on the fence. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Give you a few moments. I believe the two sat on the fence and you're just, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let Jesus in. Let Jesus in. Let Jesus in. Just one more chance. If you know that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you, Father. God bless you. That's awesome. Amazing. So who's the other one? So who's the other one? Yes. Amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask your church if you will pray with me. And we're going to pray. If you're holding onto a card like now, I want you to pray like there's nobody else in the room, like this is just between you and Jesus, but we're gonna pray the prayer with you to help you in this amazing moment. Come on, church, let's say together, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I turn away from those things and I give my life to you. Everything that I am, everything that I have, I thank you that right now, In Jesus' name, I have an incredible future. And I thank you for it. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering for people saying yes to Jesus. And therefore, in closing, I want to leave that question with you. What might your life look like? What? might this week look like? What might this year look like if you simply gave yourself permission to be who God has made you? What if we stop trying to please everybody? Stop trying to be what we thought everybody else wanted to be us to be and just simply became who God wanted us to be? Who might be drawn to our lives? What platform might God build around the gift He's placed in us? What might this church look like in a year or five years' time if we saw that kind of community emerge? Let's believe. Let's dream. Father, we lay our hearts, our lives, our fears and our frustrations before You. We thank you for everything that you've given us. We're sorry for those times when we've tried to be stuff that you never intended us to be. And we've ignored and refused to develop the beauty of what you've already put within us. I pray, Lord, that we would stop minimizing and burying our talents. And we would start using to the fullness everything that God has given us. May you take us, oh God, as individuals and as a community from strength to strength. And may we be the kind of people who know what it is to hold up somebody else's hands. 
May we be the kind of people who know what it is to run with somebody else and see them across the line. May we be the kind of people who can protect and carry the shield of someone who's fighting the battle of their lives so that we all get the victory. May we, oh God, see your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. What an amazing message. If you've got a card in your hand, we're so thrilled. You can tell we, we're celebrating with you that you, you've made a decision to follow Jesus this evening. And we'd love to have a conversation with you, maybe give you the gift of a Bible or maybe pray with you if you'd like us to do so. So after our service, if you could just maybe stay in your section or if you would prefer to, we've got a response lounge over there. There's a couple of couches. There'll be a lamp on in a few moments. And we'd just love to, to have a moment to, to mark that decision and to celebrate with you personally. So either stay in your section or you can head over to our response lounge over this side of the hall at the end of our service. And similarly, if you have anything that you would like prayer for, and this is for everybody, and you would want to find someone to pray with, we've got our, our section pastors, and they're in each section there wearing red lanyards, so you know who they are. So at the end of the service, you can do the same, either stay in your section or head to the response lounge over there where you can see the lamp on right now. I'm going to invite us to stand. I just want to speak a blessing over us as we come to the end of our service. And if you're here and you're visiting, like I said, um, our welcome lounge is open across the road in our cafe. So you can head over there and we can get to meet you properly. But let me just pray for us all before we leave right now. Father, I thank you for the word that we've heard today, Lord. And I pray really simply that you would give us strength and courage to be the people that you have called